If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. This is The Change Physician, episode 249. Welcome back to The Change Physician. I am Melissa Cady, the Challenge Doctor, with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro from the West Coast. I'm here in Texas, right in the smack dab in the middle of everything. Um, of Texas. <laughs> yes, and in the middle of Texas. That's a very Texan thing to say, smack dab in the middle of everything. <laughs> <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> I don't have my cowboy hat or cowboy boots, no. Texans are not necessarily like that. There's a lot of us city people that don't really live the uh, the uh, cinema uh, perception of Texas. Let's just say that. Well, today is um, a different kind of conversation. We It's because of Kevin. He found this uh, nice email from Sahil Bloom. Um, you want to tell us what uh, you came across and what we're going to chat about? Yeah, sure. I don't know how, you know, you stumble on the interwebs and you stumble on something. And um, so Sahil Bloom has he kind of curates a bunch of stuff and uh, kind of aggregates all this stuff and puts it together in kind of an easy, easy consumable fashion. So I uh, subscribed to his newsletter um, and I, a couple of them I've saved. This one really kind of hit me because it was life lessons for a thousand years. And basically he's a younger guy. He's 30, he turned 32 this year, apparently. And he had a son a year ago. And so he was asking like, like, old people, octogenarians, not octogenarians, non nonagenarians, because 80 isn't old anymore. It's really 90 to 100. Mm -hmm. He said, well, what would you tell a 32-year-old knowing what you know now? And this, um, there was, if, if there's been other publications on this and books like hospice nurses have, the one I'm thinking of where they've taken people on their deathbed and kind of gotten their like deathbed sort of best of, you know, what would you do now if you knew you know, now that you're going to die, like, what are the things that you have regrets about? So I, I kind of like those, because if you take people, the best way to measure what a future experience is going to be, or the future kind of desires that you have in a future point is to ask somebody, ask somebody who's already there. Yeah. Like our ability to project into to um, a future for self is, is extraordinarily malleable and dependent upon like literally what happened yesterday and our future state. Uh, I think we talked about that in one of the books. Um, awesome book. One of my favorites, Stumbling on Happiness by Dan Gilbert was just talks about this and, he, and it was amazing. So the, the summary at the end is literally just find people who are there and ask them. And that is, and you're probably not going to like it, but that's really the best way to figure out whether, yeah. what the experience is going to be like. So this was the advice of um, these 90 plus year olds to him. He got, they said over a thousand. So if you figure if people are 90 to hundred years old, there was probably a little over a hundred participants. Um, and they're fine. So I, what I want to do is kind of read through some of these statements and see what your opinions are on this, Melissa, and we can give some mm -hmm. context. So number one was now and then break out the fancy China and drink the good wine for no reason at all. Mm. And in his commentary, you want me to say what his commentary was? Sure, that's fine. So stop waiting to enjoy the finer things. If tomorrow's never guaranteed, find the time to enjoy them today. I have to agree because um, sometimes you think you get so fixated on your just day to day and survival mode or you got to get things done and there's always a to do list. So it's like, OK, what are you prioritizing the work or 
enjoying life. And so obviously every once in a while you got to like break the pattern. So I think that's, that's great advice. Well, and I, I think about it, well, it, again, because I'm so egocentric and all this stuff is like, we have a bunch of wine and I have a, I have a bottle of uh, 96 Don Perignon that, that I still have. And I, and I, I remember when I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this and then we're going to save it for a special occasion. And then the goalposts kept moving. Yeah. Like it was when this happens, uh, I'm going to, we're, we're going to drink this wine and it happened. And I'm like, ah, well, this happens. We'll drink the wine. And any of to say, there's been like five things that have happened and we still haven't drink and drank this thing. And now it becomes more of like, I'm not sure if we can finish a whole bottle of champagne. So who then do we drink it with? Because that's the other thing. But um, it, that it kind of just, so from, from that kind of perspective is, I think about like, we have all these things of a, a potential special event. Like when this happens, I'm going to do this. Yeah. But really every day has the potential to be a special event. So how, you know, how could you make today this, like we're recording on us a Saturday, you're listening to this episode. How could you make today special? Is there something that you perhaps have been saving for a, for a non-specific special occasion? You know, something that doesn't have any sort of goalpost, but you know it's going to be that day. How can you break that out now and and just celebrate today? Because really, every day we should be celebrating in some way, shape, or form, if only because it's either moved us toward where we want to go, or we've learned enough that that's not the path that we want to be on, or it's provided some life lessons for the future. Um, sometimes it can be really hard, but it, you know, every time we have an experience, there's a chance to have a celebration. So how and then... You know, taking these moments to just in the moment appreciate how special today is, I think is really cool. So I really like that one. Yeah. And actually, I was going to say, just making, making it special. Like a lot of times we grew up with our parents or our schools or our work creating the festivity to celebrate something. And I've come to learn later in life that there is, there is a very, there's strength to even creativity to create an excuse to bring people together. It it doesn't have to be the standard birthday or anniversary. It could be celebrating something, or it could be just just because um, or gratitude for something. And and you create that. Like no one's celebrating unless someone constructs that, puts that structure together, or they've created in your mind, it's been indoctrinated in you from society that you do a happy birthday or you have a birthday party. Like there's no reason to have to have a, a birthday only to do a celebration. So I think kind of- You're going to have your unbirthday. You know, is yeah. it your unbirthday today? It's my yeah. unbirthday it's too. my unbirthday too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's just, it's from great. In Wonderland, and, yeah. And yeah. the thing too about wine, breaking out the wine, I personally don't think that, alcohol is necessarily beneficial for our health but what i do find that if it's used in moderation because obviously we have livers we have things that detoxify our bodies a lot so if things aren't totally abused i find that it helps you sometimes and not this should be used necessarily as the only thing that relieves anxiety or whatever but sometimes to unwind with a friend to connect more to, to not be lonely and maybe spend time together and enjoy things more. I think that's where sometimes that glass of wine can be. And that's just my opinion can be the most beneficial. 
Well, the way you frame that, it doesn't have to be a glass of wine. Like if for some reason, it, it be anything. there's a perception of something being special. Like most of the stuff we're talking about is being perceptions anyways. Like what is a, what is a holiday? It's, it's a social construct that we've created. Yeah. And a lot of the holidays have been basically created. All of the holidays have been created out of the blue from some playing. Some of them have been long, longer. So I, I'm like, now maybe we should create, you know, we should create just because day. And, mm -hmm. and I've, I wanted, I've been trying to figure out like, I have thought about this before. Like, how do you, is there a way to set some like random timer? So um, that it'll just go off, right? On one day, it'll just wake up and it'll just be like, happy just because day. And then that's the day to just do things just because, right? Right. Um, get you in the mood to do something special. To get you in the mood to do stuff. Like my mom, my my mom, man, my mom's so awesome. And when I was younger, you know, one of the most precious gifts that she gave me was she always like, once I knew I was responsible for my own actions, meaning school, whatever, I was responsible, not her. She didn't micromanage me. And there was times like, man, I, I, I at least two or three times that I remember in high school, it's like, I didn't want to go to school. And, and she was like, I'm like, I was like, I just didn't want to go. I'm like, I don't really want to go to school. And she's like, okay. And then she's like, you know what? I don't want to go to work. And we literally both played hooky. And this one time we drove off, we were, you know, we lived in Carson. So, um, it's about two hours to Sacramento. So we drove to Sacramento. We decided to go to lunch at this place I really like called, it's not very good yeah. anymore, called the Nut Tree. Back then it was pretty fun. And we drove out to the Nut Tree and we had lunch there. And then we went to this big old maze thing and did the maze. And then we went to Sacramento and we watched the movie. I saw Rain Man. That was where we watched Rain Man. It was the best. <laughs> and we did it just because. So I'm like, we need more just because days. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, I need to figure out how to do just because days. Like- how yeah. do I make this happen? Yeah. Look at the memory you had from that. Yeah, it's awesome. Pretty so anyway, powerful. that's a long way to say that, yeah, we've got to break out of the China and the fine wine and just do it on just because day. Yeah. Let's see. Number two. Am I saying it? I'll say it. <laughs> and I'll say it because it says dance at weddings until your feet are sore. It says, and in his commentary was don't let the fear of embarrassment stop you from having a ball dance proudly. This, I will tell you, has never, I know it's a problem for a lot of people. I have, I don't know what it is about me, but since I've been a teenager, I've always been the first one on the dance floor. I literally want to do it to make other people feel comfortable. So that's just, you know, it, this whole fear thing. Um, the funny thing is the more you dance, the more you get, for most part, you tend to get better, at least more confident, or at least care less about what people think. You just have to overcome that initial like concern. Funny thing is once you get out there and other people getting out there, people aren't going to really, they're, they're thinking about themselves the whole time or the person in front of them that they're dancing with, or just listening to music and not even paying attention to you. So I think we over, um, we magnify our fears, um, out of worried about embarrassment and stuff, but there's no point in that. Just enjoy yourself. I mean, you feel better just by moving. We know the brain does better when you move anyway. So it, it's, it's a win-win. And I would think the, the magic words you say is you just don't care, right? Is um, I, I will say, I am not the first person on the dance floor. And a lot of times I'm not on the dance floor and I have never, I have danced and had really, really good times. And then there are times I have not danced for a, a myriad of reasons, probably some of that whole, oh yeah, I don't want to look stupid thing. But what I, I, I have noticed is the people who don't care have the most fun. Like, yeah. so I, I, every time I think about dancing, one of my um, friends from college, 
uh, was a big guy. He was like, when he came to school, he was like six foot one, 225, really muscular. He was originally going to play like, um, he wanted to play baseball or something. I don't remember what he was. He was going to redshirt. <laughs> Needless to say, we ruined him and it, <laughs> he became a big party animal. But dude, this guy would get out on the dance floor and just go crazy yeah. and be wild. But and, and you could, and it, it wasn't like he had the slickest moves anywhere, but he yeah. just didn't care. And it was infectious. Yeah. Like yes. he had a ball. And so I, um, I would, I would, that's like the goal for attainment to me is where if I can get to the point where I can be like, and his name's Mike Izzo, he will never hear this, but if he did, he would, that I could just be like an Izzo and go out there and have the greatest time and literally not care. Cause you kind of think about it is all those people on the sidelines that you think are judging you are actually on the sidelines. Yeah. They're not out there. So how, you know, what are they judging? They're basically living in their own fears and sort of judging themselves. So anyway, I like, yeah. I like that too. And, and it reminds me to, uh, if I ever have an opportunity, I got to dance more, you know? Yeah. Because you might just help unleash a little bit of confidence in someone else who's on the sideline That's to jump true. in there. That's yeah. true. That's true. The more bodies on the dance floor, the, the increase, you know, the, you increase the odds for others to participate. So there's, there's definitely a viral video out there. of some guy at some park that started. Oh dancing. yeah. 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 And, and just the whole social dynamics. It's like, you know what, just, like go have fun. And, you know, do I think maybe they're watching me and, and stuff and I'm, I'm just trying to do the best dancing I can. And, you know, the more rusty I am, the more I need to like, you know, get out there and dance more. So just freaking enjoy it. I, but you know, I, I can't say the same thing about singing. I'll, I'll try to sing at my house, but I, I'm more likely to want to dance than sing in public. Um, singing just, would be the same thing. It yeah. would, but the more people are singing with you, the more <laughs> oh, you're yeah, likely yeah. to do it. So, yeah. you know, if it was a solo acapella, um, people are going to like probably run away from me <laughs> <laughs> and I'll break their wine glasses. <laughs> anyway, um, number three, you Kevin. Number three. We'll tell do the first 10. Oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, tell your partner you love them every night before mm -hmm. falling asleep. Yes. Someday you'll find the other side of the bed empty and wish you could. Mm, um, that makes me want to like cry, but yeah. Yeah. And I, th I think that doesn't have to be just your partner. It has to be the people that you care about. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Cause I'll probably cry on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, having lost people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, we, I can't, Reality we talking, talking about this one. I think we just talked about it on Sunday's at our salutations is, is life can change in a heart rate. Right. Yeah, literally. And being able to tell the people that you care about, not waiting, kind of like with number one, breaking out the wine, not waiting for a special occasion to tell them, yeah. but just to tell them and to maybe express the things that you've been wanting to express for a long time or, or tell people that you appreciate them. Uh, if you're waiting for the perfect moment, the moment really is now. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree with that one. I have, the, I have a super morbid thing I do with my family is um, when people are leaving, I've had the privilege literally for most of my kids, except for when they were younger, since we've lived in Oregon. For most of the time we've lived in Oregon, I've been able to see my kids off to school every day, which is really yeah. cool. And when people are leaving the house, I make a point of taking them to the door and seeing them out. Because there's a little piece of me says, if this is the last time, I always, I want 
if something happens, I want to know the last moment that I, I was engaged with them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's sort of a little morbid thing, but on the other hand, it's, I know I tell them I'm doing it for that reason. And, and I think they yeah. think I'm a kook, but I love being able to see like my family when they leave. Like, yeah. If they're leaving, I'm, I know I'm there. there. And when they are not, like, if for some reason I'm doing something to leave without when I don't know about it, um, I do notice that. And I have this weird little piece of me that's like, hope nothing happens because I wasn't there to say, you know, yeah. love you or see you later or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, launching off that number four, is <laughs> don't fear sadness as it sits, tends to sit right next to love. His comment was, um, this is part of the fundamental balance and tension of life. The joy of love comes in the same package as the pain of loss. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of like kind of all these reality checks we've been talking about, like, this is part of the life experience. Death is part of life. It's, it, it's kind of juxtaposed with it. So, um, yeah, the more you love something, the more you can be sad, you know, from that loss. With, without a doubt. If you haven't lost anything, then you probably haven't lived. You yeah. know, it's sort of like if you, it, it's sort of in the in the physical realm. If you haven't fall down and skinned your knees and you probably haven't done anything really physical and haven't really pushed yeah. yourself en enough, like you have to do it within reason. And this is a big one. When I see something like this particular one, it always and I, I know I read this in a previous thing is uh, the passage on on joy and sorrow by Khalil Gibran from uh, the book, The Prophet, which is I, I, I love that book. It's just uh, and he, the, the summary of it is basically, you know, you can't only have a joy without suffering and your suffering carves the furrows through which your joy can flow kind of letting you know it's those losses that really then let you appreciate what you have um you know your relationships you have and it's not like you want those losses but they are important to your growth so no um, absolutely yeah it's a really, huge imprint huge a huge a huge huge imprint and you don't really know like, what is that there's in some song you don't know what you got until it's gone yeah. Is it don't what I can't. Is that a country song? I think it's a country song. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Is it Willie Nelson? Don't well, all right. This is the internet. Don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> Get your chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a Cinderella song. No, it's not that. But I thought there was one before that. Yeah. Did you put country? I must have the wrong words because it oh, the only thing that's coming up is Cinderella. Mm. don't know what you got till it's gone oh maybe it is maybe it maybe is it anyway is. okay yeah. well um let's see here talking about scratching up your knees how about uh number five number five treat your oh this is a good one treat your body like a house you have to live in for another 70 years no matter how old you are yeah you know, invest in keeping the foundation and structure sound. A little bit of regular maintenance can go a long way without a doubt. Absolutely. You know, adaptation. And if, and adaptation. If, you're, if you're 90 years old, you should be doing the same thing, right? You're, right. If, if you have a 90-year-old or let's say, let's say you have a 900-year-old house, you're still going to take care of it. That's right. Um, how's it? Well, and uh, yeah, anyway, don't think because if you don't maintain it, it's not going to do any. That's so right. we're not going to maintain you. So absolutely positively true. I don't think there's anybody that's 90 and regretted actually staying fit or doing exercise. I can't think it. Well, 
if you're out, if you're 90 plus year old and you regret having exercised, let us know. <laughs> yeah, that that is something I think they would take pride in and recognize, especially if they've lost a lot of of their like aged friends to downhill spirals from poor maintenance of their own home, um, so to speak. But uh, actually, after this little recording, I'm gonna go do a little maintenance for myself. Some some uh work on flexibility and by some strengthening and cardio so there you go there you go um number six never raise your voice except for at a ball game um very few problems have ever been fixed by a raised voice was his commentary but um i have to agree i'm in the middle of puppy training and a lot of the foundational training uh, is calm deliver positive reinforcement is goes way farther um in building trust and uh direction and um it, it yeah and then you think about even in your with your spouse and nothing really got gets fixed <laughs> by raising your voice we sometimes learn the hard way that yeah that didn't help anything um you just get the battle of the voices and uh yeah i think understanding and communication and yeah any thoughts Many, you know, because it's, <laughs> oh, it, it's, this is, we, we, we rant and rave and I'm a really good rant and raver. Like I am a pro at it and it is not very useful at all. Um, certainly if you, it, it doesn't really change behavior at all. And, and this is the thing is that I still struggle with this because if you're ever in a situation when you need to persuade somebody or maybe things are not going the right way, like almost everyone here. Like if you're listening to this, you if someone's screaming at you, how likely are you going to be to help them? Yeah, you're not right. But um, and 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 so the balancing is how do you how do you how do you be persuasive in such a way that you can you can re, you can say that you're dissatisfied, but do it in a way that people want to help you back. Yeah, you know, and um, and do it in the moment because that's really hard. Because when you're mad, it's it's really hard, and I have I have I can get mad. I'm a, I'm really good at anger. Like that's uh, definitely not a gift, but I I'm pretty good at it. Uh, and but it doesn't really work very well. Um, and then you have it both in personal and professional. Luckily, I don't. I'm not a in, in my per personal life. I don't. This is not something that I may get mad, but I I don't yell. I've, I don't think I've ever yelled yelled at my kids or anything like that. But um, in a professional light, and certainly when you're in in a hospital hospital hospitable kind of interaction um i mean like renting cars or ho hotel rooms or whatever there's a, there's a definitely art to it but just like the thing i would always remember and i'm kind of burbling over this because i want to ingrain this lesson in me now so that because i've been trying to learn this is in those situations your loud voice is not going to make the other person likely to change in fact they're probably going to get more rigid with it mm -hmm. um yeah, I know. And we all know that. Like when people yell at me, then I immediately put up my hackles and I'm less, less, less likely to help them. Unless there's Absolutely. clearly something wrong. I'm telling you. <laughs> 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 and there's something wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's a that's a good one, you know. Uh, and certainly with your kids. Like, I don't know, people yell at their kids all the time. You talked about your puppy. I am firmly convinced. Like, I don't have, I've never had a dog, but the like the like the dog training stuff is going to sound horrible. A lot of it is very applicable to having kids. I mean, yeah. doing the same thing, you know, not 
yelling at your kids doesn't forcing them to do things doesn't where you really want to create like you know forced choice rather than i don't know it, it just it's just really interesting to me um or the other one like don't hit your brother and then you spank your kids yeah huh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't hit this person or i'm gonna hit you oh oh that makes no sense yeah, yeah. anyway but uh yeah like if even in the dog that the trainer we had says you know the next phase will be some negative like you know you say no but you just you know you you really want them to pay attention obviously if something is if they're in danger so that you need to already you need to build the positive reinforcement mm. respect yeah. And in the dog world and like kind of you're the head of the pack versus they're running the pack. <laughs> um, because when you establish that early and then when you have to really redirect them or tell them no or something, they're in danger, it actually will work. Yeah. So it, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah. All right. That's so the way they don't say don't say no or, or what's other don't say stop, right? Don't say stop unless it's you need it because it's like when they're gonna run out in front of the cars when you want that to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, freaked, I actually did that when he was getting towards the street and there was a car coming mm -hmm. and the poor little guy just like, like almost kind of like whimpered down. Like, I mean, he was scared as hell for me because he hadn't heard me like escalate like that before, mm -hmm. but I was glad it worked that time. But yeah. um, I mean, he wasn't going to get hit. I had him on a leash, but he was just way too confident going out. But anyway, back off the dog stuff, Off the um, dog stuff. <laughs> um, number seven. You. Do one good deed every single day, but never tell anyone about it. Yeah. You know, pay for someone's coffee, take out the trash without being asked, let someone into your lane. A little goes a long way. I, I like this one too. Yeah. Um, it makes me, there, there was something I, I was just reading about. Oh, it had to do with like the good deeds of, you know, capitalism, like the, the hardcore capitalists will say that, um, you know, we should not tax anything and blah, blah, blah. And the free market will do it. And really that's not true because all these people who are making those donations aren't doing it out of their goodwill. They're doing it predominantly for the recognition, you know, except for the very few that actually do this, you know, do anonymous donations and things. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and I guess if you want to know whether your act is purely uh, benevolent, mm -hmm do it without the chance of being recognized i guess would be the way to yeah. do it yeah. um and on the other hand then just doing a good deed just like a small good deed every day i like that like pay for someone's coffee i haven't done that in a long time because i haven't gone through a drive-thru in a long time where you just hey this is paid for their coffee or whatever that's kind yeah. of fun yeah uh, that's cool um let's see yeah i was just thinking about it's it's funny um i know some people in my life that have to always tell me all the good things and what those people thought of those good things and yeah how good i am like if you have to announce to everybody how good you are i probably am not going to think that you're a very good person <laughs> you know, no. like, or there's insecurities or yeah, there's, there's like, something there i'm i'm so awesome i'm so awesome i so awesome well you're probably not that awesome if you have to think if i if you have to tell me you're awesome you're probably not as awesome as you think yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that ooh, that could be a whole episode. Um, yeah. number eight, time doesn't heal anything when it comes to relationships. Do not delay difficult conversations. Have them now before too much water floods under the bridge. Oh, that's that's so good. Our minds, I mean, really honestly, a lot of this stuff is what happens in the 
you know, perception, awareness, um, just the whole complexity of the human brain. But it is amazing how silence can breed these stories in your head of, especially when we're not communicating things well in relationships and both people have a completely distorted view of what's going on because they can't read your mind. Like I, I think this is a great, great rule or suggestion. <laughs> no, I, I suggest a rule. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I would agree on that too. I think it's, yeah. uh, um, it's cool. I think sometimes there's a, a little cooling off period is pretty useful if it, it was heated. Yeah. Um, but generally if, if you have something, a, a problem enough to have a disagreement on, Oftentimes, the disagreement becomes a greater problem than the initial problem the disagreement was on with time, you know, and people, like you said, they kind of blow it up over and you could lose really special relationships over that. Mm -hmm. uh, and what becomes more important over time is relationship or whatever the, the, the silly thing about being right. So I would agree with that. And um, it, it, it's been rare that I've seen communication be less more communication be more harmful than less communication versus vice versa. So if you have those, you know, and there, it's never too late. Like I've reached, I've reached out to people uh, years later. Um, mm -hmm. I've been trying to do that a little bit more that I haven't talked to in a long time. And you kind of think, well, well, maybe it wasn't a even good relationship. So like, oh, well, they don't want to talk to me. It's been too long. They're going to think I'm some weirdo to come back. And uh, I don't, people generally are happy to hear from you if you, enjoyed them previously and i think yeah. if you're if uh you have a bad something where you lost a relationship over something uh some sort of disagreement my other way is if you've at least reached out then you're never going to have those what ifs you yeah. know and if they choose not to respond then that's fine but at least you've kind of you've repaired that and you've um there's no what ifs on your end and that's kind of nice yeah yeah well and a lot of times it benefits the other person too depending yeah. on what it is um number nine find the things that make your eyes light up do more of those and he said the best of life is lived with the people and things that make your eyes twinkle prioritize them Ugh, that's very very um obvious but true but neglected at times um yeah i mean even like the hobbies that you're you've been toying with and see you know, how excited you get, or if you, if it really brings you a lot of joy, even if it is like your, um, your foiling, wind foiling stuff, like that stuff is, you know, it could, you'd never know what that can turn into. And, and even though it's work to learn some things intellectually, it's stimulating physically, it's definitely demanding, but then at the same time, it can bring a lot of joy for not just you, maybe connection with your children, maybe connection with other new friends. You don't even know that you'll have later, um so anything that that gets you excited in life um do more of that and, and that actually makes me think of um another quote that is not on this life lessons but this is another one that uh i have read recently and i've been pondering is uh by annie dillard who i don't know exactly who she is but it says is how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives and I think that bridge is really nice because if you are not doing the things that make your light eyes light up, then really you're not living the life that you want to lead. Um, and I think that I think is uh, 
you know, I, I don't, I'm older and, and more aware and thinking about this stuff is really just spending more time doing those bright eyed events and trying to engage with the people that, that you're excited with, to try the new activities that you're excited with, to reach out and do new, new things that could be exciting. Um, just really, really key so that you are not, uh, did I ever tell you about Kukaro's um, orange of life theory? No. Uh, this is a very, very deep philosophy, folks. Okay. So I'm, I'm interrupting the episode with it before we get to number 10. Okay. Uh, Kukaro, who um, obviously is a a very well-known philosopher who comes on philosophizing on the change position very much, has this theory that he developed when he was young, like probably pre-high school. And uh, if you kind of imagine that your entire life is an orange, mm-hmm. and when you have that orange, every day you get a slice of it. Now, at the end of that day, that slice of orange goes away. You'll never get that slice of orange back. And you only have the number of slices that are in the orange itself. So every day is an opportunity to suck as much juice out of that orange slice as you can. And um, yeah, so if you're not, and if you choose not to, that's one thing. But if you have day after day after day where you're wasting your orange, that's something that you need to kind of consider and ponder. Did you actually suck all the juice out of your orange slice today? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very deep thing. And you don't know how big those slices are because it all depends on how long your life is. Well, you don't know how big your orange is. You don't know how big your orange is. All you know is how big the slice is and the, and the slice is there. And, uh, you know, some days you're like, man, I, this one is gone. There's just literally just pith and rind on this baby. And other ones I'm like, "Mm, I barely got anything out of that one, but, um, Yeah. yeah, I like it. It's good. Well, why don't you go to number 10 then? Well, number 10, and there, there's more, but we're just going to stop here at number 10, is, um, and as if, again, if you want to read all of them, you can go to Life Lessons from a Thousand Years, and this is off of Sahil Bloom's uh, newsletter, and you can, if you Google that, I'll go to his website. But number 10 is, always remind yourself that your track record for making it through your bad days is perfect. Mm-hmm. Commentary. It's easy to lose sight of this when you're down, zoom out, and reclaim your perspective. Um, yeah, I, that's... This also makes me think of another quote that says, uh, don't worry about your mistakes. If your mistakes are big enough, you won't have to worry after them. <laughs> so, it comes from one of those demotivation posters. I remember if you know those that are like, um, but yeah, it's like if, if, if you've survived this far and you made it through your bad day, it's true. You a hundred percent made it through your yeah. bad day. Right? There you go. Uh, I like Back that. Proven. Yeah. And I think that as you get older, and particularly when you're probably 90, 95, 100, um, you've probably had a lot of things that you thought were the end of the world. We've pro- I'm sure you've experienced that. Things that that seem like were the, was you weren't going to be able to survive. And lo and behold, you survived. You and then did. looking back at them, you're like, mm, that was kind of dumb. I think most of high school. <laughs> I think that's, isn't that what high school's for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I just I just glanced at eleven and twelve, Kevin. I got distracted uh-huh. here, and I think we should do a dozen. Okay, we'll do. A, a, even I think dozen. these other two are really important. So okay. number eleven is if something has a minor issue, repair it right away. And his commentary is: minor issues become major issues over time. This applies equally to love, friendships, health, and home. And on all of those accounts, the people don't realize how quickly things can get out of control, and you know, from, you know, your interactions with people to taking care of yourself and to your home. Like there is just don't, there's always something next in life that 
is going to add to that issue. And I think it's, it's great wisdom to be like, okay, you need to take care of things as they're coming and not sit there and wait on it and let it build and become bigger issues. And then it becomes too overwhelming and you can't address any of it. Any thoughts? Yeah. I was, attend minor issues before they become major issues is what I would say for that one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, for anything in the, in the biggest one, I think actually when I think of the, like the first thing that comes to mind for something like this literally comes around weight and, and um, in health. Yeah. Because um, speaking as somebody who has put on weight over the years, it is so much harder to lose weight than to not gain it in the first place. Yeah. So the people who have had those habits, um, like I, you know, my friends that were really fit young and have always had a habit of exercise, they have just maintained that it's so much easier. It's, or it seems so much easier. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're, you know, you've waited and waited and waited and waited and, and I'm not saying you should not start, obviously you should start, but it's, it would have been so much easier, sort of like the prevention kind of strategy to begin with. Or anything, a little teeny leak in your whatever. Uh, probably better to do that before your floorboards rot out than something else. Yeah. Uh, I like that one too. Yeah. And tell us the final 12, number 12. <laughs> uh, the most damning lie you can tell is the lie you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell, tell The lie you tell to yourself specifically. Um, if you can't be honest with yourself, how can you be honest with anyone else? I can see why you wanted to end on this one. Um, if you take nothing else from this list, this is the one and kind of in, incorporates everything that we've ever talked about here on the change position is really becoming aware of faults as well as strengths. Because if you are unaware of them, um, you can't change. And I, the, the other part with this is uh, there's another quote about the most the most secure prison is the prison that you create yourself or or something like that where it's you've basically created your own prison through your beliefs and your thoughts and um, and and what you can and can't do and things like that and it is I just think about all the lies that we tell to ourselves all the time and if you don't actually know it's a lie you can never then change or escape or or alter the patterns of behavior that are going to be associated with that statement. So yeah, oh my God, that's a good one. Yeah. I, there's so many situations of my past where I've actually had to tell people this. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, very important. <laughs> I'll just say that. Be honest with yourself um, because it's easy to be in denial of, the problems you have or the, or even the chance to even do something about it um, before it becomes a big problem, you know? So you can apply that to many different things in your life. Um, well, cool. I, I like, I don't want to call it the dirty dozen. It was a, 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 a the, I have to think of another like phrase. Um, it's a good dozen for uh, good wisdom. So the dirty dozen. Well, dirt's not necessarily a bad thing. So, you know, yeah. all this wisdom has come from probably mistakes and learning the hard way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we should do another episode at some point. We can finish the other uh, 28. Yeah. <laughs> so we maybe can, have two more. We can there. do, we can, a little, it's like a, yeah, we can do a little series of it. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, why don't you take us out? 
All right. Well, thank you all for joining us on today's episodes where we talked about the wisdom of a thousand years of wisdom and in 12 little statements here. And again, I, to probably attribute, make sure this is um, from Sahil Bloom's website, where it's life lessons from a thousand years old and uh, a, a great kind of uh, curation of of people who are at the end of their uh, journeys here and providing some perspectives on that. So really appreciate that. Appreciate um, that, that kind of content. Appreciate you, Melissa, as always for being us. Appreciate you, Kevin. And appreciate our listeners out there. Thank you for joining on us on their journey. We hope you are doing well. And if you want to continue with us, you can go to thechangephysician.com where you can join, whether you're a physician or a physician ally. And until next time, stay well. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.